0: up it's our new year special and we're reviewing our top five trends that will impact you and your attraction the most in 2022 from the haunt attraction network i'm philip and this is our weekly episode of green tagged theme park in 30 green tagged covers the top theme park news from each week for halloween and haunt specific programming stay tuned later in the week for our regular haunt news briefing enjoy the show from our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, Florida, this is Green Tag Theme Parking 30. I'm Philip, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Scott Swenson from Scott Swenson Creative Development.
1: Scott, happy new year! Happy new year! It's 2022! And that doesn't mean it's 2020 also. It means it's 2022, so that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Moving forward. And actually, that's what this, that's what this particular show is all about today. Um, we are going to talk about what we feel are some of the Trends and recommendations looking forward into 2022 for um, those of you in the theme park and attractions industry. Uh, now, again, we've we're both pretty connected. We're both um, we have both in a lot of research. I'm sure there are trends that we will not discuss in this show. I just want to make sure that's clear. But we've tried to narrow it down since we only have 30 minutes. We've tried to narrow it down to the, what we feel are the top five, um, and these are things that we've noticed have become very important over the past year and we feel will continue to be important and be prepped to, to act upon in the coming year. So um, the idea here is to kind of give you a... Here's a theoretical overlook of what was going to benefit you as an industry professional in 2022 by Sutton yes. by Philip. So, <laughs> so that's... That's kind of our vibe um, for this particular show. And again, part of the reason that we're not diving into specific news is, uh, well, on the one hand, um, you know, everybody's been kind of uh, either up to their eyeballs in the holidays or um, taking time off for the holidays. And uh, so the news is kind of the same way. And we Mm -hmm. figured it would probably be more beneficial for us to sort of do a... um, end of year beginning of year compilation kind of show that's not focused on the details of the stories but more focused on the trends that those stories have shown us because let's face it that's really why we're here as a show you know we're not a we're not a news show per se although we take a lot of that stuff to show here's what's happening and here's why it's important to you and your industry so so we're going to kind of take that and um and run with it as we dive headfirst into 2022 did i cover that the way uh, the way you think our, our guests will understand it, Philip. Yes, that's perfect. Uh, well, let's let's
0: scoot along. So Great. the first item here we kind of have on the list is uh, reducing friction for the guest. And I think under this category, it's relatively broad, but we're sticking everything in there that creates friction for the guest experience and trying to make the guest experience smoother. And so that will include making sure that you have staff, <laughs> that you can staff things properly, and the ticketing and any anything like you know expansion into mobile ordering or any sort of those things. So if you have any bottlenecks anywhere in the experience, like you have your trail line is too long, and you're trying to switch that over into a mobile ordering system or make it available to kind of disperse some of that, uh, or ticketing or staffing, any of that kind of stuff falls under reducing friction. And I think that's um, something that the pandemic has, as with everything, of course, has accelerated. Um, you know, guests are a tiny bit less. Um, less oak oh, i don't know how to put it but but they're they're not as uh as as lenient when it comes to those like operational hiccups even though that's kind of operational hiccups like that have been the way that um we've <laughs> they've been fine up until now i i think it's gotten a little bit uh people are not as whatever for whatever the reason right people are just not as as open for that it's also as we now know through various uh studies that we have done in the industry we know right that it is ultimately better. It's more profitable when you don't have people kind of waiting in line. Like we've talked about this. It's more profitable when you can spread out your ticket or arrival time so that you can sell it your entire day. It's more profitable when you can optimize your staffing and when you can keep staffing and when you can have extra staff to do uh, fun things with people or to, you know, make, offer extra experiences that you can upcharge for. And also it is more revenue when you can spread out demand and when you can not have people standing in line so they can go by and do other things. So it, it, it does make a business sense, but it's also, it, it's, I think it's something the audience is expecting and it's a trend we have seen people develop.
1: Now, the, the tricky part of this particular trend, in my opinion, is the tolerance and what creates the friction is different regionally. Um, the reason okay. I say this is I've got clients all over the United States right now and, um, for a Christmas event that I worked on up in the Midwest, they don't mind long queues. Guests do not care. They don't mind standing in line waiting for hot chocolate. They don't mind standing in line waiting for Santa Claus. What they don't like is being forced to go in and create a a reservation through the app. They don't like that. So that creates friction as opposed to reduces friction. I don't know which is right. It doesn't really matter to me. But what is important to recognize is when we say reduce friction, that means reduces friction from the guest point of view, not from the operator's point of view. Okay. Um, yes, you're absolutely yeah. right. It is more profitable to have people doing things, creating a virtual queue so that people can actually do stuff and um, not have to stand in line, not taking money out of their wallets. But at the same time, if that's going to push people away from coming to your attraction, like for example, in California and Florida, the large theme parks, Disney especially, is pretty much exclusively that. You can't just go to the park. You yeah. have to plan out your whole flipping day. And I will be honest, it's one of the reasons I haven't gone back um, in, in quite some time, Great. I don't like to yeah. do that.
0: <laughs> go back so, to, to my creates... gripey episode about that, but I agree okay. with you on that,
1: yeah. That creates friction. So I think it's important to recognize yeah. that when we talk about reduction of friction, it you have to take into consideration not just what you as the operator feel, but also what your guests in your area or your region feel. Um, I mean, I will give I will give you an example from one of my clients here in in Tampa. Um, we just did a New Year's Eve party. Um, it was called the Crystal Ball at the Vault, which is the same place I do the Vault of Souls for Halloween and the Vault of Love for for Valentine's Day. And we kept our marketing down to a minimum. Um, We targeted people who have been to our events in the past, and we did marketing through the restaurant, which is also owned by The Vault, um, in the restaurant itself to their regular clients, and we decided we want to be the exclusive party that people can't get into. And lo and behold, we sold out with minimal marketing. So what that did, when it comes to reducing friction, it made it very simple for us because we didn't have to do a ton of a ton of legwork, we basically just um, reached out to the we we yeah. shot where the ducks were flying, so to speak, and it made it very simple for our guests because they were already familiar with our product. They were familiar with uh, the the I mean, we even did we did online ticketing, um, but we also had you know phone number ticketing as well, and uh, our guests who had already been trained. In what we felt was the most frictionless for previous events, they'd already been trained. So it made their night just easy for them to do, something they'd already experienced, something they were totally comfortable with. And the only negative friction we got from it were new people who wanted to come to the event who couldn't because it was sold out. So um I, and 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 we'll talk about we'll talk about that in just a second. Yes. Uh, yeah, we, have another, we have another topic to come up here, but but what we tried to do is we tried to make it as as comfortable and as quote unquote ordinary for our target guests as we possibly could, so that it was easy for them, and then they just showed up, had a great time, drank a lot, got covered in confetti, and went home. You know that was that was what it was all about. So yeah, um, but staffing is I I, I can't I, I know we've harped on that on this show. Admon. We harped on it so much, yeah. You know, but but again, it is such a huge issue, and um, <clears throat> we're at the point now where. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about um, uh, about supply chains and having multiple supply chains. You also need to have multiple staffing chains. And again, another perfect example: um, night of the uh, on on New Year's Eve, five of the of the servers for this event were in the same car that had a flat tire, not COVID related. <laughs> I know we're talking about something that's not COVID related. Um, five of the servers were in the same car that had a flat tire on their way here. And because the vault has multiple, um, staffing opportunities, they were able to get people who weren't necessarily their top hospitality servers, but followed directions and did things really well. And they could shift their other folks around that before the event opened, those five people had been replaced. So it took them 45 minutes and they got a full, a complete new staff of five. So Have that in the back of your mind because the thing that will will throw you the most under the bus with guests is not enough people to take care of their needs or to take their money. So make sure that whatever you need to do with staffing, it is not gonna get any easier. It is not going to get any easier this year. Um, Make sure that you have multiple sources, make sure that you have multiple ideas, and perhaps, as Philip mentioned, uh, overstaff so that when, not if, the staff reduction happens, you're prepared for it and your guests don't see it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, moving, jumping right along here, number two is inflation. Of course. I feel like that, you know, of course. And inflation, you know, this is the thing. It's very difficult to talk too much about it because it's still in, it's still very much in flux. And I believe that it's not transitory to an extent. I don't think it's going to be like a runaway train. I think there's going to be about, a minimum of about 6% that you're going to be facing, a uh, 6% across anything that you're going to be purchasing for your attraction. That's kind of where I'm sitting, is a 6%. But I do think it could be between 6% and 20%. Um, and I will just say, from my perspective, at Gantam, we have to raise our prices, and we're going to have to kind of raise them across the board due to just component increases in prices, and there's just no way to not do it. And I've been calling around talking to other manufacturers to kind of get their take on it. And I can't name names or anything like that, talk at school. But I can tell you is that um, what we are doing is very typical for what kind of everyone else is doing. So I think in terms of suppliers and that kind of stuff that you're going to be ordering for your attraction, um, between six and 20% is what I would expect is going to increase on your stuff. And of course, that's going to be so it's so difficult to talk about these things, because they're so complicated, because it depends on what manufacturer you're using, where they're getting it It depends on how much you're building on site. You know, there's so many pieces, right? If you're going to be just buying everything, plug and play, um, you know, that probably will be higher end, a little bit more inflation heavy than it will be. If you are just worried about your local lumber and then surely just your local lumber costs. And if you can find a time where local lumber is cheap, then you just store it up and then you have your carpenters work on it. Great. Right. It's so influx, you know, um, and th- there's a lot of variables in this. Like there's, we've heard some news about Halloween merchandise and then kind of merchandise just arriving now. And so there might, you know, you might be able to pick up stuff for cheap to work on, to, to put stuff in because people will have excesses at wrong times or they're going to hold it, <laughs> you know, but then they have to pay for storage. I don't know. It's all up in the air. That's my point. But I do think that's, it's worth, planning about that when you were looking now, which you should be, if I'm sure Scott is even now looking, looking now at your budgets for Christmas and looking for purchasing, just think about that as going to be, it's going to be more expensive than you think it's going to be. I promise you that.
1: Yeah. It's not only is it going to be more expensive. uh, We are not out of the woods yet when it comes to um, supply challenges. Um, Mm -hmm. I I, I think it's going to get better, but we don't know when it's going to get worse again. Um, So once again, the only way to plan for a, a supply shortage or uh, inflationary issues is to have multiple options, to have multiple supply chains, multiple parallel supply chains. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Um, you can you can end up purchasing all from, from one supplier, but don't make them your only supplier that you are ready to work with. Um, if you are a larger company, for example, um, having worked with, with SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment for many, many years just the possibility of getting a new vendor uh, into the system can take, you know, a significant amount of time, more time than you want to spend. So my suggestion is have multiple vendors for pretty much everything you need and have them in your system and ready to go. And if that means you need to buy a small amount of their their product to get them into the system, because that was, that's something that happens in a lot of larger theme parks. They don't want to keep all these vendors in the system that they're not using. So you have to actually make a purchase. So so go ahead, test the test the waters, see how quickly they can deliver. Um, Because I I promise you the way to overcome the inflation is by making certain that you're not just looking to your one vendor and saying, oh, okay, that's what you're charging. Great. We'll have to pay it. Because There may be there may be another vendor who is all of a sudden getting that shipment of, you know, as Philip just said, that shipment of Halloween supplies that that are now going to have to sit in their warehouse and storage is a huge expense. Um, You know, I've got I've got one I've got one client now that they're like, we don't really want to own much of anything. We just want to rent it all because rental for the short period of time we need it for our seasonal events is actually cheaper than having a warehouse to store it in year round. Um, so, and that way we don't have to worry about maintaining it. And, you know, there's a lot of other costs there. So I, I guess what I'm really saying is don't get locked into, this is the only way we're going to buy things. This is the only way we're going to ship things, be open to, to multiple levels, because that way, no matter which way this goes from an inflationary standpoint or a pandemic standpoint, you'll have, uh, multiple options and it will make it so from the the guest standpoint, they won't see any shortages or blockages.
0: Yeah, correct. And 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 we've seen a lot of people also, to Scott's point, um, basically think also about substitutions. So not just different suppliers, but also think about substitutions entirely, or just changing up the entire offerings. Which we, of course. Our, our, you can go back and listen to our show when we talked about the Disney earnings call because they they kind of talked about that and got into a little bit of trouble. But you know they kind of talked about changing portion size or changing substituting items entirely altogether or just changing your approach. Um, you know, and like Scott and I, we've also talked about like leaning more into entertainment if you need to rather than you know with with actors or things like that. If if you if you had an easy time staffing, if you're in an area where staffing is easier than infrastructure, then you can lean, lean more into that. It just depends. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our third item is the seasons. All the seasons are starting earlier. And this is kind of a continuation of the previous one because due to, of course, supply chain backups and all that kind of stuff, um, we do see the retail stores are putting stuff out on shelves earlier. And we see that customers tend, at least in last year, they were shopping earlier. And the big question is going to be, is that trend going to continue? You know, are people going to start, are people already buying Valentine's day stuff? That is the question, right? That that we kind of, We'll hopefully know the answer to soon when we get out some of the reports. But but the foot traffic reports for this holiday season were much higher in retail locations earlier than they were compared to 2019. And, and that is kind of what that does is that triggers the guest to be ready for that holiday, which then if you have your event open earlier, then for any of the holidays, of course, that then, you know, it's better for you. And especially with the, if you combine that with the advanced tickets, you will know ahead of time what the demand is like, and and you'll be able to staff appropriately so that you're not uh, overbalanced or whatnot. And we see this with Halloween, we see this with Christmas. And now what I'm even noticing for January is the extension to January? You know, now we're getting we're getting Christmas events where they just they they, they maybe they turn off the tree or they kind of like scoot some of the presents to the side and they bring out like a giant snowflake and now it's like three weeks of winter fest, which is really the same as as Christmas, but instead of a tree, it's a giant snowflake. I mean, there's uh, I, I'm seeing the extension, you know, kind of like by popular demand of 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 events, um, but on the flip side of that. Um, one 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 like small other example here is, you know, the, um, the knots show the, their big stage show this year, which was a wonderful stage show that they had uh, with full of dancing and music and all that they had to cancel that a week early for for staffing shortages. So it's the same thing we're talking about. You, know, they, they couldn't get the staff to work into January enough to to run that stage show. So, um, so even though stuff is starting earlier, what that does is go back to what we said previously and just puts more crunch on your staff if you're going to have your events open longer. Then staffing's a bigger challenge. So, anyway. Well,
1: and with the, with the events starting earlier or running longer. Um, what this means is planning needs to start earlier. Um, part of the reason, part of the reason that you run into staffing challenges, at least that I've found is because there is a last minute choice made to let's extend the show. Well, once you do that, you're having to basically start from scratch because everybody else uh, performers, especially in this market right now are, are booking themselves so that they go from one gig to the next gig, to the next gig. Um, and and sometimes those gigs take them out of the market for you so they're no longer they're no longer there um i have one performer that her her last local performance was my event on new year's and as of today when we are recording this um she's moving to vegas so it's one of those you you really have and if we had extended and said all of a sudden oh let's do this three more nights I wouldn't have had her. So make your decisions early. That way, you know when you're offering um, when you're offering positions up front, you're actually offering them for what um, they really are. Because those last minute decisions cost money. Um, the other side of it, you know, that Philip said that I think is interesting is changing a, a Christmas event into a winter event so that it can run until the middle of January. Um, there are even places that are not doing Christmas events at all. They're just doing winter events. And, yeah. you know, when you put a bunch of sparkly lights up on a tree and it's Christmas time and you celebrate Christmas, people think it's a Christmas event, um, which is fine. Yeah. But it's you don't have to change anything as it goes into a winter event. There is a local client here in Tampa, uh, the Florida Aquarium, which doesn't really do a specific Christmas event. They do an event the week between Christmas and it starts the week after the week between Christmas and New Year's and then the week between New Year's and the, se- the fifth or seventh or whatever it is. Um, and it's called snow days and it's all about bringing yeah. in, um, quote unquote, real snow. Um, they have a snow, you know, big snow machine blower that here in Florida, that's huge, you know, cause it's 80 degrees during the day and, and the kids get to go and play in the snow. So they don't even think of it as a Christmas event. Yes. They put up a tree, but, um, what they really focus on is that week between Christmas and New Year's where they're competing with everybody else and they are a local aquarium. So they need to have something unique. Um, so that's that's part of that expansion as well. But with that expansion comes earlier planning and committing to that expansion early on. I have seen some clients who have had challenges with that because the audiences were not what they anticipated after Christmas. Um, I've also seen audiences that have that have been having phenomenal attendance uh, after Christmas for their Christmas events. So know your, again, it goes back to what we said earlier. Know your audience. Make the decision based on your audience, not based on any any uh, report you've read, not based on what you as the the C-suite want. Go to your guests and see what they're doing. Not what they're saying they're doing, but what they're actually doing. Track that pay attention to that because that will help you make these decisions. And once you've made them, stick to them so that you, you won't lose your staff. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're t- our, our fourth item here is IP extension. So we have had a lot of stories about this uh, and maybe we didn't label it as such but we are doing so now and (laughs) I think it's not not only is it a trend that we're seeing but it's also I think we're going to see into the future and I also think it's a great idea and it also takes many forms that's why we're calling it IP extension so this is not merely uh, coming up with a really interesting piece of merchandise although that is a great idea and you should be doing that which we've talked about Gnosium, but it could also be stuff like we've talked about you know, last year even and this year, where uh, attractions are putting together playlists of music and putting them on Spotify, where you can, so you can recreate the sounds of the event, but there, um, it's the podcast stuff. We, we even talked about, you know, the, the people making podcasts of history of their attractions. You know, it's, it's anything that takes the stuff from your attraction and allows people to take that out of the attraction with them. So we, even with Chuck E. Cheese, doing a release of their music and taking the characters out on a music tour to do like a Chuck E. Cheese music tour around the community, you know? And and we've talked about these all year and there's great examples all over. And it, it really comes down to, as we have, as the running theme is now, which is understanding your community and the local community and where that you can be a part of that local community and showing up there and 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 what makes sense for you. But IP extension overall Uh, is the big thing. And the last point on this is this isn't just a thing that is attractions only, right? We're seeing IP extension from brands where they are, like, look, we talked about Arcane. That is IP extension. So at the very top, it's Tencent, you know, and then it's Tencent, and then it's, you know, Riot Games, and then it's Legal Legends, and then it's Arcane. You're like four levels down, and then they take that and they create it. But essentially that is Tencent, which is you know, like the Facebook equivalent in China, it's it's China's Facebook essentially doing a themed experience, you know, which is IP extension. So it, we're seeing it. Yeah, go ahead.
1: IP extension is nothing new. That's the thing you have to recognize. IP extension is something that Disney started doing in the 40s and 50s. Yes. Um, it was see mm-hmm. the movies, get the comic book, or get the coloring book, get the toys, get the this, get the that. Um, a wonderful World of Disney now appears every Sunday night in your home on the television. And then they have the theme parks. And then they, so IP extension is nothing new at all. The reason it's so important now is it's easier than ever before. So many of the examples that Philip just gave are things like, uh, podcasts, uh, Spotify lists, um, downloadable stuff. It's all stuff that doesn't require a full warehouse of goods in order for it to happen. So no matter what your level is, whether you are a, um, a monolithic theme park or you're an independent FEC, you're, you have the ability to keep that expansion going um, and to make certain that, that guests can interact with you on a regular basis. For some of you who have been around for a while, this may seem counterintuitive because for many, many years, certainly when I first started in Theme Park, it was, well, let's not give away too much of the experience because if we do, guests won't come. And what we found is in the world of TikTok, in the world of social media, that is not true. Um, If they can see it, then they want to experience it in person. And I will give you probably the best example of that I can think of right now. And and that is um, Galaxy's Edge at Disney in Florida right now. I have seen I had seen videos of the entire experience um, backwards forwards I had seen hundreds of them I couldn't wait to get there and experiencing it in person is so completely unlike any of the video experiences because it is so rich but What that means is when you are producing content for the in-person experience, it has to be rich, it has to be multi-leveled, and it has to be top quality because it is going to be out there and it is going to be seen. And instead of trying to hide it, make it easier for people to do that because it will help spread that IP extension outside of your parks and into people's homes. Correct. Okay. Rounding
0: up, our last one is what we're calling expansion of the market. And we talked about this a tiny bit with Halloween, but we want to kind of make it a little bit more general. For Halloween, we talked about the concept of sophisticated fear versus family fun. But if we think about a little bit more general, what we're really saying here is we're saying that, you know, you understanding who, when guests are coming to their attraction, who they're bringing with and what they want for the different seasons. Because we talked already about the difference between Christmas and Halloween, for example, you know, Christmas, they're bringing their family, Halloween, they're bringing their friends. And, but it's a little bit more than that. It's also understanding, like we've talked about tailoring, like we talked about the Lunar New Year festival that I talked about at Disneyland, you know, coming up. That is great because of the amount of people that celebrate the Lunar New Year in that demographic. It, it's a it's a local play, right? And it's understanding then, what, even when it comes down to the type of entertainment, when when guests are coming for the New Year, are they bringing their family or they're bringing their friends? And what kind of family? Is it multi-generational? Are family members coming in from all over? Or is it just your local people? It's knowing those things and then crafting programming to 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 help with that. And that's something I think is also relatively new, that almost like micro-targeting for entertainment. And it's something we, we can do more of. And I'll kind of finish out my little segment of this with... Um, Airbnb they did a their CEO did a little strategy call with Decoder about 2022. He mentioned a lot of very interesting things, but he mentioned something that I just was like, "Oh my gosh." He says, "Airbnb allows you to work from any home." And I was like, "Oh my god." And he he talked about how their focus is not only that it it allows you to take your Zoom call from any home and to kind of move around more, but they also are focusing on expanding the, t- the travel time. So encouraging people to travel longer and then just work from any home. And also they're working on connecting you to the local community and that how, how different summer is going to be just because the dynamic of who you're traveling with and when has changed because of the pandemic. And I think that Combined with this idea of expansion of the market, uh, you will be able to see a lot of different and do a lot of different things for the different seasons, just because that pe- when people are traveling has changed and who they're traveling with has changed. So,
1: well, and you know, it's funny because when I was a kid, um, when we went on vacation, my dad had to make sure that he was off for those two weeks so that he could mm-hmm. be with the family. Um, mm-hmm. But now, you know, building off of what Airbnb has said. Family vacations can now pretty much take place anywhere anytime because mom, dad can still work from the, the Airbnb location now um, with, with virtual classrooms, kids can even go to school while they're uh, in a different location. Well, you know it's making everybody thinks that that technology is, is making things so much bigger, but it's really not. It's making things significantly smaller. The world is, yeah. is going to be a place where we can do what we need to do no matter where we are. So I, I think that's an important thing to remember when we're talking about expansion of market. Um, we're not just looking at, you know, well, it's summer. That's when families come out. I think it, it gives us the opportunity to think outside the box. Um, I will say that quite often expansion of market is one of those double-edged swords, especially for the marketers themselves, because they will say, well, we have, you know, a mailing list of X number of thousands of people, X number of hundreds of thousands of people in some cases, um, and we know what they want. So that's who we're going to market to. What that does is it, it builds loyalty, which is great and very important. But when you start to expand that market and you, you don't, you're not just asking the question, who is coming to our events or who's coming to our park? You start to ask the question, who isn't coming? And then follow it up with why. Mm. And my suggestion is use both of those pieces of information so that you don't alienate your core, your core base. You never want to do that. You want to give them enough so that they can continue to expand and market for you. And I think that, you know, some, some great examples over the, over the years, um, have been like, uh, certain shoe brands, you know, people build loyalty to Nike, Adidas, that sort of thing. Um, I, I think that Apple has done it. They've, they've been you know they've had a couple of missteps here and there, but generally speaking, Apple creates an environment that their core audience loves, and then their core audience kind of brings in new people with just quirky little expansions. Um, take that same mentality with your theme park and utilize seasonal events especially as a way to expand that brand. Put your toe in the water of someplace where you know, who's not coming? We're not serving the Hispanic market. Okay, do a Latin music festival and see if that works for you and recognize it may not work the first time because there's nobody on your mailing list who speaks Spanish. So you're gonna have to work a little harder that mm-hmm. first time. But conti- by continuing to expand your market, um, it is going to make it so that more and more people can enjoy your product. Wow, there's a, we got through that in perfect time. That was, uh, <sighs> that was very cool. <laughs> so those are, those are our trends for 2022. Um, like I said at the very beginning, I'm sure we've missed something, but I think that this gives us um, all a bunch to think about and certainly to help us plan for the year to come. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed listening to us this past year, and I hope you continue to listen to us um, as we move forward. Please, please, please share this show with your friends. Um, it's not like if somebody else has this information, it somehow takes anything away from you. So just uh, let spread the word, spread the word. Um, if you'd like to learn more about what we have to talk about, Um, please make sure that you visit the website, which is greentagshow.com. And until next time, this is Scott Swenson and Philip Hernandez for Green Tag Theme Park in 30 saying, see you next week. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.